The topics and opinions expressed on the following show are solely those of the hosts and their guests and not those of W4WN Radio, its employees, or affiliates. We make no recommendations or endorsements for radio show programs, services, or products mentioned on air or on our web. No liability, explicit or implied, shall be extended to W4WN Radio, its employees, or affiliates. Any questions or comments should be directed to those show hosts. Thank you for choosing W4WN Radio. Radio Tony with Tony Lontis, author of Resilience, memoir of a broken little girl discovering a woman of strength and beauty. Available now on Amazon.com and in all good bookstores. Radio Tony. Your safe space for tough conversations, exposing secrets and talking about trauma and recovery. Radio Tony. Building Resilience. Talking Trauma. Radio Tony. Live from the Gold Coast, Australia. Radio Tony. Difficult conversations and bringing hope to listeners. Live from the Gold Coast, Australia on W4WN. And good morning, Australia. Good evening, America. You're listening to your host, Tony Lons, on Radio Tony today. And if you're listening to this show, it's actually a pre-record and you're on your Christmas break and I'm having a holiday as well. Uh, This is the first part of the show and we have an amazing guest today. And I'll just tell you a little bit about him before I introduce him live on air. So Michael Ray became a dad at the tender age of 49, and that in itself was a shock. And then, two years after that, an even bigger shock when Michael found out that he was going to be a sole parent to his beautiful baby girl, Charlie. Whilst on his quest to fill their days with amazing and wonderful and informative fun, Michael noted how different current norms made the role of dads in primary caregiver situations. From having no change rooms in men's bathrooms, being barred from backstage backstage ballet concerts and being asked questions about his ability to cope with raising a child, Michael's been on an incredible journey. He speaks about his insight of his personal journey raising his daughter and the profound impact of being a solo death profound impact being a solo dad has had on his outlook. He conveys his important message to organisations and individuals, brooming with concrete, actionable research and guidance. He has a passion that inspires. He also has pretty good dad jokes. Michael addresses the gender and societal roles that are no longer applicable and the negative impacts this has on organisations, businesses and personal outcomes. He speaks straight from the heart and his ability to connect, resonate and inspire people is obvious. He is keen to break the taboo of men being seen as nurturers and he is committed to raising a different generation of children. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Tony. Sounds pretty flash, doesn't it? 
It is very impressive indeed. I'm really privileged to have you on my show and it's wonderful that you can chat with us today. So let's begin at the beginning. And I know that you wanted to call this show, I thought I was the only unicorn in the village. And I think that's a really good title for an interview. Where did the title come from and what does it mean to you? It basically basically came from the fact that when I started this, I thought I was the only single dad or solo dad that was ever around from the reactions that I got from a lot of uh, other parents and um, and the way society is set up. I would constantly get, get asked, you know, gee, how do you cope? And I'd say like yeah. any single parent, you know, just barely. And then they'd yeah. say, no, but as a, as a man. And I, yes. that would take me aback and I'd say, well, what difference does it make? And then exactly. the, that's where the outdated gender stereotypes come. Oh, yeah, but, you know, it's got to be hard because you're a, you're a guy and blah, blah, yeah. blah. And I'd, I'd say to them, well, not really. It's the exact same thing as a hard. mother. Mm-hmm. Yep. Exactly. And when, so, I, at- when I speak to the – sorry. You're right, Michael. Go ahead. When I speak to uh, different groups, I'm lucky I, I've got a foot in each camp, Tony. I, I get yeah. referred to or, or get to enter conversations as a peer in both uh, mum conversations and dad conversations. And I'm around a lot of mums and I'm around yeah. a lot of dads. And the striking thing is we have the exact same hopes, fears, struggles and frustrations yeah. as either gender, exactly the same. And yeah. yet... There, there doesn't seem to be that uh, concept that we're all muddling through this as best we can. As solo parents, and that's the key, isn't it, Michael? You're a solo parent, whether you're male or female. It doesn't make much difference. Same things happen, same things grow through your mind, same fears, same frustrations, same fatigue. So before we get on to talking more, I I wanted to touch on the subject of uh, Charlie's mum. And I'm hoping that you're comfortable in telling the audience how that all came about and how you – how your life played out that saw you single dad to Charlie at two years old. Um, Charlie's mum and I uh, ended up with Charlie after a relatively short uh, yeah. relationship. Um, I had some health concerns uh, towards the end of our relationship and being a bloke yes. doing the stupid things and refusing to get uh, the treatment. And yes. it added some stress and strain to the uh, marriage. And uh, after a little while, we separated. It wasn't yeah. a great separation. But after a couple of years, um, Charlie's mum suddenly and unexpectedly, without any warning, uh, yeah. decided to move interstate. Um, she was wow. a great mum, had, had, had her own uh, trials and tribulations with her upbringing and Uh, other things but uh, she just left us waiting at changeover and hasn't been seen since uh, we're just coming up to six years now so Charlie was just past her second birthday oh my god so from that situation I can imagine the immense shock that would have set in and 
I guess the realisation that Charlie's mum wasn't coming back would have not been apparent immediately and you would have been in limbo for a while. That's exactly it, Tony. And for the first couple of years, um, yeah. we just had to tell Charlie, well, I'm not sure, bub, I'm not sure. We've got a thing in our family about 100% honesty. If we don't yeah. know, the smartest thing to do is say, I don't know. Yeah. And um, it wasn't until Charlie was about uh, four and a half that yeah. we actually had the talk, Bubba, I don't think that mum's coming back. She knows yeah. exactly where we are. She has our phone number. So yeah. should she want to, she can get hold of us. So, But it's got nothing to do with you. So. Yeah, yeah. And how did four-year-old Charlie react to that? I'm, I'm thinking that she's probably a pretty resilient little human being and I'm thinking that she's been you've had the honest conversation, so I'm kind of thinking she pretty much took it in her stride. Was that how it panned out, Michael? Yeah, the, the developmental um, stage that she was at, it was probably, yes. if, if ever it was going to happen, it was a great time to happen. So the concept yes. of permanency and time wasn't yes. that well developed. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, we just took it one day at a time. We had a lot of fun and uh, yes. there's nev never been any talk talk of there never being a reunification. Uh, there's yeah. always been that thing, one day, bub, when you're a bit older, I will help you track it down if you yes. still want to. But yeah. you need to be prepared for, you know, it, it not happening as well. So yeah. we'll just go on as is. Yeah. So if Charlie's mum happens to be listening to this conversation, is there something you'd like to say to her? Oh, she's always always welcome to uh, come back into into Charlie's Charlie's yes. life. I would never. I've I've seen yes. the uh, negative aspects of the parental mm -hmm. alienation, and it is just not good. But the only thing Charlie's ever been told about her mum is, yes. "Bub, we're not sure," and I'm sure yeah. she loves you. So yeah. you know, there can be no good come from Charlie. Um, Having a negative connotation. Yeah, mm -hmm. resenting mm -hmm. her, her mum or, or any parent. Um, yeah. It's fine for her to feel disappointed. That That's a, a that's natural. That's pretty normal. Mm -hmm. Yep. Mm -hmm. So, you know. So, Michael, did you actively, like, try and find her? Like, how did you, how did you, like, start on that process? Oh. I, I can just feel the immense shock and, oh, my goodness, what am I going to do? I have no uh, – I wouldn't – your ability was obviously there, but it would just be that whole change in, okay, so this is what my life's going to look like. Um, Tony, one of the best things that happened, as I mentioned, I was uh, sick towards the end of our relationship. I yes. didn't realise – how sick I actually was until I had a small yes. car accident uh, yeah. after we separated. And through just going in to get my neck scanned, they found yes. uh, my future wasn't guaranteed. It was pretty serious. Mm. So there there were some lumps and bumps and blood yes. clots in my lungs and all wow. the rest of it. And if I hadn't have had the accident, I probably yes. would have dropped dead within a couple of weeks, they told me. Oh, Got the Michael. treatment. Yeah, it, it, oh. it, it, that car accident yes. saved saved my life um, because being a typical male, 
battling yes. on. No, got to got to work, got to do this, and being yes. so fatigued, thinking it was just uh, fatigue. That fatigue. I had, mm-hmm. Yep, had bilateral embolisms. My lungs were nearly blocked, but <gasps> I had a couple of tumours in the lungs, some masses in oh. the brains. Oh my goodness. And my I, poor you know, nursing brain is just uh, calculating the <laughs> how ill you were and going, yep. oh, golly, gosh. But, that, but that, that actually worked for me in court. Yes. The, the judge ordered overnight straight away and yeah. the judge's words ring in my ears every day when he said, yes. you know, this child deserves to form fond, firm and lasting memories to carry with her through life regardless of uh, her age. So yes. he ordered overnights at nine months of age which was just unheard of. So I'd organised my life around my treatment and my daughter. So when Charlie's mum didn't turn up at uh, pick-up, I was actually doing a little bit of work as a stand-up comic. So two and a bit years old, Charlie was on stage with me at 8 o'clock at night in a comedy club because I had no thing. You had had no alternative. Yeah, because she was meant to be with her mum and I had no alternative. Yes. So we reported her mum as a missing person. Yes. And uh, the police came back to me a few weeks later and said, we've located her and she's uh-huh. decided that she wants no further part um, <gasps> in Charlie's life, and <gasps> but she's okay. Oh. And they, they said, the only thing we, we can tell you is she's fine, she's moved into state and um, – she doesn't want to be contacted, so uh, that 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 was uh, when a shock. Yeah, oh, a, a massive shock because so you going you through- had no inkling. Like obviously things were not not perfect, but you actually had no inkling that this was going to be the outcome. Uh, no, no, no inkling whatsoever. Um, uh. We. Her mum lived a fair distance away, yes. but uh, when the police went round to her address, they told me the house was packed up, there was a, a lease sign on, so it, it was – she'd obviously yeah. put some uh, thought into it. Yeah. And uh, I, you know, I hazard the – I could not guess what the thought process was, yeah. only that she must have really been struggling because yeah. she was a, a very caring and loving um, yes. parent and loved yes. – loved her children dearly yeah yeah so obviously she's come to an incredibly difficult decision and this is the outcome so you embarked on life as a single dad and your health i'm assuming improved and you got your life on track as a single dad yep um and so your first conscious thought about the inequality for single parents was at Charlie's ballet recital. Can you tell our listeners about that situation, Michael? Right. Well, because I'd organised my work schedule around uh, my three and a half days with Charlie, I thought, you know what, I will keep this going because you never know what's around the corner and I just wanted to to live every moment with my daughter in, in case her mum came back and yeah. Yeah. Uh, we were back to where I wouldn't see her for half of the week. So yeah. um, one of the things I say to a lot of dads, you know, I, I don't have to imagine or whatever it, life without my daughter full-time yes. would be. I've looked into that abyss and it's yes. not 
not not great, so I'm not going to miss a minute of it now. Yeah. So we joined up with ballet and gymnastics and yeah. on those days. Three-year-old ballet concert was great. Loved, loved it. <laughs> Became a honorary mum because you have to sit in the hallway and I had to watch while the little girls mm-hmm. are doing their ballet. Mm-hmm. And it even got to the point where I was teaching some of the mum, mums how to do a, a good ballet bun. I became the go-to guy <laughs> for that. <laughs> we uh, had the concert and the other mums used to tease me about crying all the time. I've become uh, emotionally incontinent since I've had this <laughs> little girl. Uh, I, I just wouldn't cry call it that. I would just call it empowering your uh, manhood. Yes, well, when your eight-year-old daughter teases you and rolls her eyes, not again. <laughs> I'm sorry, bub. I can't help it. <laughs> Those are... Uh, those childhood memories around ballet classes and gym classes, um, they're really, really precious and they sustain you through life. Um, my kids are like grown up and I have grand a grandbaby and I can still remember how wonderful it was to watch your child perform that ballet routine that they've practiced to the nth degree in the backyard and see them on stage doing it and to watch your my son in particular did gymnastics and to see him on those beams and uh parallel bars and and doing all that stuff I, I still can remember those feelings acutely remember the wonderfulness of being a parent and being able to see and be involved with those activities and yes once they leave home you remember those things and they are very precious Michael so um, it's a wonderful thing for both a mum and a dad to experience and yes you wouldn't miss it for the world would you yeah no never and uh, this kid grows 10 foot tall trying to teach yes. me her ballet moves or her gymnastic moves and I can't can't do it but she's <laughs> such a nurturing great little no dad you're doing good no bub I can't just try your best dad look do this and she helps and uh, that's why I say it, it it is a very close call as to who's raising who in this family Tony it's yeah it, yeah she's taught me so, more about life than I'll teach her oh they always do. My children are, were and are my greatest teachers in life, and I'm sure that that will continue. So I'm thinking this is my single mum hat going on now, and I'm thinking, okay, so before you had her for three and a half days a week, and suddenly you have her full time, and yep. it sounds like you didn't have a huge amount of support. What did you do? Oh, I, my my clients that I uh, train as a personal, personal trainer. trainer, yes? Yep. They've yeah. been with me, some of them, for 20 years. I think the shortest oh. one's about 16 years. Wow. So because they all moved their sessions to suit my uh, radiation treatment yes. and Charlie yeah. time, yeah. they decided that they're happy all to train together. I start at 4 o'clock oh. in the morning, uh, three days a week to be able to do it. But I've also got the most wonderful mother and sister that yeah. uh, support me a hundred percent. My daughter has lifted. My uh, dad passed in two thousand and five. Mum was a little bit, um, um, you know, not struggling, but yes, settled into that sort of uh, routine of loneliness. And yes. uh, to see the two of them together, it's just uh, amazing what this little kid has done, done for her and 
and vice versa. So um, while I was a, a solo parent, I had so much support that yeah. uh, it was great. My clients supported me. I have so many fantastic female friends who all rallied yeah. uh, to my support. The the wonderfulness of women um, is yeah. amazing as, as yeah. far as uh, this stuff goes. Yeah. The with the ballet concert, we had our three-year-old concert. Yes. That was fine. Tears yeah. everywhere. The four-year-old concert, yeah. as we're going along, we get the information for it. And the information, it was all a little bit um, gendered. So it was there was uh, a special mummy so and me ticket. Mum-centric yeah, rather than parent-centric. Yeah. Mummy mm-hmm. yeah. and me ticket offers. In the uh-huh. literature, mum, mums are expected to be there for the full three-hour dress rehearsal. Mums uh-huh. need to ensure that the lipstick is this shape. Yeah. Mums need to ensure that uh, the ballet bun is done yeah. as directed. And, of course, there are no males allowed in the backstage area. Yeah, so yeah. I, I read that and I thought, well, it's obviously just a uh, – pre-written Oversight. thing that mm-hmm. they hand, hand out. I yep. was there for the three-year-old concert. Yeah. So during the meeting, I raised my hand and said, well, I'm sorry, Miss Chess, it says no male. You've just said no males. Well, I have to be there. And it was a bit dismissive. Well, why is that? I, I said, well, it's, not, I'm, it's just I'm it. Charlie. Yeah. And the response was, well, we're more than capable of looking after her if you bring <gasps> her to the backstage door. We can handle it from there. Ooh. And I had Charlie sitting next to me, and she said, "Dad, can't you come to the concert?" And I said, "No, but just around." I said, "Miss Jess, that would be fine if you were going to look after everyone's child. I yes. wouldn't have a problem with that." And their response was, "Well, Michael, it's not about you; it's about the other children." <gasps> and I said, "Miss Jess, I, I hate to be like this, but it's not even about the other children; it's about no. Charlie." Yes. Being the only child backstage without a parent. Yeah. She can't look around and go, with a parent, with a parent, with a parent, and I'm here on my own through no yeah, fault because, of her own. Yeah, because my dad's a and, dad and not a mum. Like, yeah, and, and and it's not like an option. And yeah. when this all happened and it blew up and hit the news, I got a lot of fathers' rights and men's rights groups who, who I try and steer a little bit clear from <laughs> um, because uh, some of the some positions of the rhetoric just, is Oh, not, it's not great. And horrible. Yep. And um, they were all good on you sticking up for father's rights. And I've gone, I'm not sticking up for father's sticking rights. I'm for sticking up for my daughter. Yeah. That's it. She, she can't be um, made to feel different because of yeah. our family situation. Yeah. So I, I went off and all the other mums uh, rallied and said, well, if Michael can't be backstage, we, we're not going backstage. We don't have a problem with it. Good then they know. raised, yeah, they were fantastic. Then they raised, well, it's a child protection, we have a pro- child protection policy. And I said, well, I was a swim teacher for 16 years. I still have yep. my working with children check. So, you know, you mm-hmm. have male instructors. I'm yep. I'm no different to them. Yeah. And then they again raised, well, you need to consider the other little girls feeling uncomfortable with a male. And that's why I said, well, all of the little girls have a father. So they're they're not uncomfortable. And there were two boys in the class. And I said, are the little boys uncomfortable with all of the the women? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I I said, if you could 
point me in the direction of a tangible, reasonable argument as to yeah. why I can't be there as a parent. Yeah. I'll, I'll agree. So they they organised a meeting and said, well, I have to have a meeting. And off I went. And on the way out, all the mums are saying, this is reverse sexism. Yes, and it made it me is. think, well, you can't really reverse sexism, Terry. Sexism <laughs> is sexism, regardless yes. of the perpetrator yes. or the victim. Yes. So I sent off an email to uh, Kate Jenkins at the yes. Sex Discrimination, the Equal Rights. Yeah, yeah. And I fired one off to the wonderful Susie O'Brien at the Herald Sun. Yes. That was nine o'clock the next morning. By three o'clock in the afternoon, all of them had been on the phone to me. <laughs> and they had they prepared should. me. Yep. And it went nuts. It, we were on <laughs> national television, international television, national yeah. radio, Neil Mitchell. It just fair yeah. to say when I walked back into that ballet concert, I was a little bit sheepish for the meeting. And, <laughs> They they really missed the point because Susie O'Brien offered yeah. them to give a comment and they did a no comment interview. And oh. when I got there, they said, we don't appreciate you're doing this to us and this and all the rest. <gasps> and I said, look, at that stage, we were going through the marriage equality debate. And yes. I said, this is a great opportunity for you to put your hand up and go, Michael has made us aware that we're going to yes. have two dads, two mums, the wonderful diversity of families included in our little yes. family here at the dance school, and now we're moving forward and we're going to celebrate this. What a great, yes. great thing. And instead, you've gone, no comment, and dug yourself yeah. into a, a thing. And yeah. I said, I'm not going to feel sorry for standing up or be apologetic for standing up for my daughter's rights, not my rights. Yeah. But my daughter's right, and yeah, that's exactly. where the that's where the whole equality thing um, started off. Where I started to become really uh, cognizant about this subject. And, yeah, but what what it also made me realise is this is one of the main things that holds women back in their search yes. for equality. Because yes. We've, yes. we've got yes. legislations, programs, so many yeah. activists campaigning for women's. Uh, yes. Equality. The only way women are ever going to achieve this equality in yes. the workplace and in opportunities is when men are held equally responsible for raising yeah. the next generation. It's Absolutely. that simple. Because it, it, it's not gender, it's society's expectations and roles that they assign exactly. to that gender. Yeah. You, oh, you've got a very important job. How do you manage with the children? Yeah. Uh, it, you know, it's, well, they've got a dad. So, yes. you know, oh, but, you know, we have yeah, these no, things. The maternal absolutely. instinct is one that kills me. I was, I'm currently studying developmental psychology and oh. maternal instinct just, I hate to say it, but it doesn't exist. There's a parental um, yeah. instinct. We're all the same, the need to nurture, protect, and look, yeah. our heart melts. It is universal, but to yeah. somehow go only a mother's love, well, then it's like, what? So you're going to go off and work and leave your child with the dad, but he doesn't have this thing. But it also puts a huge amount of pressure on women who may be struggling with yeah. things like breastfeeding or colic or yeah. sleep deprivation, all the standard yeah. things. And it's like, yeah. oh, I, I don't have that instinct. Am I somehow flawed as a woman because – I'm meant to know this stuff, and it's not. We all struggle through. It's a learned yeah. behaviour. Yeah. So 
we need to get rid of that. The fact that we don't have change tables in men's toilets. Yeah. It's yeah. what so nappies are a woman's job. So should yeah. I be with a partner? Well, here you go. You have to go and do it because there's no change tables in the men's. Yeah. I've been abused for using uh, parents' rooms because people are breastfeeding. Um, and, wow. And, wow. you know, even even recently, just a few weeks ago, I went in there with Charlie, who's now eight, and yeah. a lady there, she's gone, excuse me, this is a parent's room. And I said, am I not yes, a parent? I'm here with my daughter. And she's gone, well, she's old enough to use the toilet on, on her own. But you can't and go I in said, there? Oh, that's what I said. I said, thanks thanks for your input. I'll, I'll take it on board as to what my daughter's capable of. But what I'd like to say is she's not capable of standing outside the men's toilet on her own while I go to the toilet. So she's going to stay in here safely while I go in there. And she's yeah. gone, well, I'm breastfeeding. And I said, yeah, but. There's a curtain there. If you're uncomfortable, yep. And if you're uncomfortable with breastfeeding, and by the way, I support your right to breastfeed anywhere. Public transport, yeah. restaurants, anything like yes. that is a beautiful, wonderful yes. thing. I'm not here to watch. If you think I've dragged my daughter in here to either <laughs> watch or make anyone feel more uncomfortable than I feel, and that you're yeah. impounded. Yeah, I, I don't know where that thought process comes from. So now, if I could just get on with this, we'll get out as soon as, as we can. As quickly as we can, yeah. And, and it's yeah. a common experience that fathers report to me. Yeah. Uh, all the time, this uh, parents' room thing. How do you balance that thought with child protection? How does that sit for you? So that um, that. We have to protect our children and unfortunately, statistically, men are the, the higher level of abusers. Yep. How, do you, how do you manage that in like I'm sure uh, people have looked at you as um, because you're male, simply because you're male and you're in a parental change room and looked at you and, and, and treated you in that way. How do you balance that? How do you think we change that across the world, bearing in mind that statistically speaking, it's men who are the higher perpetrators? And that's not – I'm I'm not man bashing. I'm just, you know, uh, what are your no, thoughts it's around a fact. that? Um, I, I feel it every time, Tony, that uh, – yeah. I walk to the toilets with my daughter. I feel yes. like is someone watching me. I've been challenged for taking pictures of my own daughter at a playground yeah. by a couple of mums who've come over and gone, excuse me, but, you know, what are you yeah. doing taking pictures? And I've gone, well, it's my daughter. And then they've apologised. Yeah. Um, I think our hypervigilance um, needs to take a little bit of a, a back seat. It yeah. needs to step back a little yeah. bit because – um, the abuse happens from both sides, and you're right with what you say yes. statistically that uh, men are the the larger perpetrators, and it's usually, sadly, a family member. I was just going to say it's not a stranger; it's usually yep. a family but, member of and, some description. But the, the one of the also saddest um, statistics is sexual assaults are more likely the perpetrator is likely to be um, the unrelated. Um, 
person Friend in the home. The so, mm-hmm. yep. Yeah. So, mum's new boyfriend yes. is the most likely the perpetrator of sexual assault. Yep. So, mums need to be hyper vigilant around as that. Well. Yes. Around yep. that as well, and that's where I'm actually a little bit luckier as as a bloke. Who should I? Was I was just going to say that's Charlie's yeah, biggest I, I, protection is dad. Yeah, and and also to very very few women are going to want to uh, assault my daughter. And in fact, yes, um, I've I've got a partner at the moment. We've been together for a year, and I do plan on Fantastic. marrying this wonderful girl. Yeah, but that's I stayed awesome. single. Made a point of staying single for the first. Yes five years i like yes. to think it was a choice and it was my choice it wasn't my yes. personality or looks that <laughs> that that necessitated it only because for the listeners michael is a very good looking bloke by the way <laughs> thanks tony you and my <laughs> mum think so um, no there would be no reason why other women would not want to date this man so let's just put that to bed um so all right you, One of the reasons why I stayed single, though, yes. Tony, was because the majority of uh, women that I felt were interested in yes. maybe pursuing something with me, they were just as interested in being Charlie's replacement mum. Uh, and yes. yeah. I, I couldn't take the risk of Charlie getting attached to somebody yeah. and then it not working out after what happened with her yes. mum, so I didn't want that yes. people in and out of her life. So it was just mm-hmm. as easy for me to to stay single, enjoy all of my time, yes, with Charlie, and not have to uh, worry or or consider. Because that's um, the most important time before, like in the years up till seven years old. They're yep. such key. You will understand exactly. Yeah. They're just such a key time in a child's life. You can form their rest of the part of path of their life by how, how they interact with the world in those first seven years. Yeah, exactly, Tony. Sundays have always been Charlie's day because I work on uh, Saturdays. Yeah. Sundays, Charlie gets to pick what we do, where we go, what we eat even what yes. we wear. So yes. normally on Saturday night, our Saturday nights would be great. This is a movie we're going to watch. And she would sit there watching the movie with me with a checklist, writing out all <laughs> the things we're going to do. And before she'd go to bed, she'd yes. lay out our clothes for the next day and yeah. giving this kid the run of it, yes. her growth through, she would plan and then she'd say, right, yes. Dad, here's the things that we didn't do last week that I want to do yeah. this week. And there would be Sundays when she would be, Dad, I just want to stay at home. So it wasn't Excellent. a wasn't a mad rush, but it was whatever, Bub, yes. you're in charge. And she would be, yeah. what do you think, Dad? And I always try and answer a question with another question rather than yeah. the answer. So, Bub, mm-hmm. it depends on what you think. And then it's like we, are, we explore, why do you think that, Bub? Well, what's your yeah. thinking behind it? What's the plan? And I'm constantly amazed at the capabilities. Yeah, yes. it's like my own little psychological uh, petri dish watching. Yes, yes. Uh, this kid grow. So you're really enjoying your study at the moment. Oh, it's it's amazing. One of the it is the things. One of the things with um, coming into this parenting as a father, I yes. came into it. As a know nothing, my some yeah. total of parenting advice from my parents was, "You wait until you're a parent." And I was like, <laughs> "Really?" <laughs> so I had no expectation. People would say to me, "Oh, you know, how did you get through teething?" 
what do you know? I did, didn't didn't know. Did like, what you did. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, how did toilet – and now that I'm studying the developmental psychology, all of the milestones and developmental um, milestones and things like that all happened. Yes. No stress, all happened – on time or, yes. you know, within the time frame that's meant to be happened. And I see a lot of other mums going, oh, but, you know, I'm thinking about having yeah. him tested because he should be doing this and yeah. he should be doing that. And, you know, yeah. I've got to get some sleep training because yeah. this and that. I'd say, look, just, you know, just it, it used to happen. Yeah, just relax and, and enjoy yeah. it. it. It will happen. And if it doesn't happen when it's then, meant to happen, yeah. then, yeah. you know, but yeah. Yeah. They're all guidelines. We all develop a different, different I think that uh, we lose I think that we lose track that this little human being is number one an individual. And just as adults are all completely different, have all completely different sleep patterns, some people are great sleepers, some people are like that's no different from this little human being that you're like some of them don't sleep. That's the way they're going to be. They're going to be that way for the rest of their life. So you just got to work out how you cope when your child doesn't sleep, for instance. I know yeah, my uh, grandson is a terrible little terror sleeper. Um, and he, I don't think he's slept properly. He's almost four and I don't think he's slept properly <laughs> yet, but that's just him um and other kids are really good sleepers and i think that you need to be a little bit uh, yeah take a deep breath just relax it'll be what it's going to be yeah and that's why i try and say to a lot of parents too having a child that sleeps through the night doesn't make you dr spock or some incredible child exactly child you're just it God makes damn you lucky, lucky. yeah <laughs> makes you lucky some and uh i get a lot of uh not well. A lot of compliments yes. um, for Charlie, but I just hit the jackpot. Just the easiest yes. kid ever. But because yes. my expectations were never violated, I never, I never had a well. This is what's going to happen at this, and this is what she should yeah. be like. And this is. Yeah. It's just you know what? I'm just going to sit back and watch this incredible little kid become yes. who she is. It and goes so who she far. is is who she is. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. So um, let's talk about some of the, the funnier things um, in your journey as a solo parent. Um, what's some funny stories you can tell our listeners? Well, after my uh, little rant about parents' room, there was <laughs> a, a little little while ago where I, uh, at the shopping centre, walked into the parents' room and there were, I think, about three people in yeah. there and I'm standing there waiting for the toilets were occupied and I'm standing there and everyone's sort of looking at me and I'm thinking, you know what, I'm just about to launch into I'm a parent too and I realised that Charlie wasn't with me. <laughs> so I, I walked into the – and thankfully I've just – and I had to oh, – sorry, I don't have – and then everyone laughed and I, I can't believe it because we're together all the time and I'd actually gone there to buy a birthday present while she was at school yeah, and yeah. Uh, – and just, just out of habit, walk into the parents' room, and uh, <laughs> yep, the, yep. Oh, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Um, what did you struggle with most in your journey so far of being a single parent? Um, living with the fear of the illness. Uh, yes. 
coming yeah. coming back and realised that I was uh, living out of fear rather than yes. out of uh, enjoyment of the, of the moment. The moment. And, yeah. and realising that, you know, illnesses can strike us, accidents can happen. Yes. My current partner, uh, Robin, is a saint. She lost her daughter at four years old so oh. in a car accident. And oh. so between the... Between the two of us, um, she's most superior in, in every way, spiritually, intellectually. Um, she's just a wonderful person and a fantastic yeah. role model for my yeah. daughter and the two of them together. Yeah. Um, just a, just amazing. So, um, yeah, th- that was the other thing. But everything else, because I thought that I wasn't going to get the opportunity and I was worried about – the impact it may have on Charlie if I wasn't yeah. around. Yeah. Um, I've just loved every minute of it, the night feeds, yeah. the sleepless yeah. nights. Just I've never felt so fulfilled or important. Everything yeah. everything about parenting has just yes. ticked all the boxes for me. Yeah, yeah. So where? What's your? can I ask what your status with your illness is at the moment? I've had a, had a recurrence of the uh, pulmonary embolisms from time to time, so it just yes. means uh, one pill a day and a yes. yearly yeah. yearly scan. The yeah. all clear from uh, the tumours in my lungs. The masses yeah. in my brain have turned out to be uh, benign. So Good. again, Good. just just a few just keeping yearly an scans. eye on things. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. But yeah. I still. Very physically active, mainly so. I was that, just going to uh, say <laughs> that uh, healthy living is obviously contributing to such a good outcome for you um, at the moment. Yeah, yeah. That's it, Tony. And it's also to Charlie's friends, um, their dads are all 20 years younger than me. And <laughs> I, 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 I don't ever want Charlie to feel like, you know, this year we're learning to. Charlie's learning to surf. I'm a mad surfer and, yes. you know, I, I don't want her to feel like, gee, dad's old. So um, <laughs> she comes boxing with me and comes yes. to the gym with me and, uh, yeah, she's my, my best great, little mate. Boxing's a great sport for women. So uh, yeah. it's very empowering. So there's yeah. no harm in, in that. Um, so one of the things I wondered about was, as Charlie gets older, those discussions about becoming a woman and the sex talk and all of that, have you thought about how you're going to cope with that? Yeah, Tony, it's funny. We've just had just done a uh, interview for a few other people about yeah. this exact same thing. Yeah. And it's we're, we're 100% open and honest in this uh, family, but yeah. it's not about waiting till she gets to the 12 or 13 years old yes. and going, right, but sit down it's about the yeah. connection and the trust that and that telling them built. bits as like ask yep. questions and yes yep. and yep. you know that's why i said but you know as much about this as i do so let's yeah. figure it out together yeah. and so yeah. we're big on google but there's yeah. a couple of wonderful organizations now that are actually starting to run courses for dads Oh, um, really? About this, that have sent me through there's one called uh coming of age circles yeah yeah it, They've invited Charlie and I up to do oh, it. Fantastic. But the same as, you know, my hairstyles and yeah, things yeah. like that I've had yeah. to learn. But it's all about that connection and trust. Without that yeah. connection, knowing that she's 100% secure and coming to me yeah. with anything, 
Yes. That's the thing. And it's also as far as relationships. I was just going to say that will protect her as she gets into adulthood, that ability, I can tell dad anything, he's never going to yep. stop loving me no matter what I do. That unconditional yep. love is, uh, is is a real key for children uh, growing up yeah. that, that you love them no matter what they do, no matter what they say. You're not always going to agree on things, but you are always going to love them. Yep, that's the thing. I'm, I may have to get a full face of Botox to, to keep the expression <laughs> <laughs> under control when she, you know, tells me some of the things that that I really don't uh, want to hear. But if Charlie yeah. sees me wince or shy away yes. or feel uncomfortable or squirm in yeah. my seat when she's telling me something, it's yeah. just going to put some distance between yeah. us. You know, yeah. I, I want to be the first one she thinks of yes. when she's confused or, you know, is in trouble or first one that or she wants to race home to. or needs yep. help or, yeah. Yeah. Yep. And that's the thing. I, can... I don't have to – sorry, I don't actually have to understand it. I just yeah. have to recognise that it's important to her and yeah. you know, that's enough for me. Yeah, yeah. I know we've um, talked about this briefly before, but your mum and your sister are really important and your new partner. So they're the key female role models in and around Charlie? Yes, yes, definitely. Yeah. And um, – my new partner holds world records in a sport. She's wow. a solicitor, a chief financial officer. Like we really do have yes. a reverse um, gendered relationship. If there's a yes. jar that can't be opened in the home, I'm usually passing it to her to open. <laughs> she's she's physically stronger than me, and and I'm a I'm a big guy, but you know she holds several world records in powerlifting. Yeah. She's got a her law degree, her accountancy degree. Um, she's the one that encouraged and pushed me to uh, study the developmental yes. psychology. And, it's fascinating you know, stuff, it, isn't it? Yeah, oh, it's amazing. Yeah, fascinating it's amazing. stuff. And to see Charlie see all of this, yeah. you know, there'll be times where we'll be having a discussion and Charlie will pipe in with, Dad, you're trying to win an argument with a solicitor. You've got no hope. <laughs> it's just <laughs> Thanks for your support, Charlie. <laughs> I appreciate it. So, you know, oh, that's fascinating. Charlie, we, we have we have this saying in our family that we stuff that, and if somebody yeah. says something that is hurtful or sexist or derogatory or silly, we yeah. say, yeah. "Bub, what do we think of that?" And she'll just say, stuff that, Dad. And I've gone, exactly, Charlie, stuff that. You go and do what you want. So uh, Nanny gets a bit offended when Nanny will say Uh something like, oh, a little girl should wear a dress. And, you know, I'll say to Charlie, what do you think of that, Charlie, that little girl should dress a certain way? She'll look back and she'll go, stuff that, Dad. And I've gone, exactly, bub. You wear what you want to wear. Well done. That's a great saying. That's a great way of looking at things. And it it empowers her to make her own decisions on her own terms. That's an amazing thing to give your daughter, Michael. Um, I just, when I was um, reading all that I could about you, I come across, did you know that there's an American country and music, uh, country and Western singer with your same name? Have you ever been mistaken? Well, I think he gets mistaken for me, Tony, I'd like to think. Yes, it, it happens a lot. And there's also a serial killer as well, apparently, oh my in America. Oh, God, no. Yeah. 
Oh, wow. Well, great name. Um, We're fast running out of time. I've had so much fun talking to you. Um, What's your funniest dad joke? Oh, I've got two. There's a bear and a rabbit sitting in the woods on the log, and they're both doing a poo. And the bear looks down at the rabbit and says, do you have any problems with the poo sticking to your fur? And a rabbit says no. So the bear wiped his butt with him. <laughs> no, that's a dead joke. Then. <laughs> and the, the other one is uh, a grasshopper walked into the bar and a barman said, we've got a drink named after you. And the grasshopper said, what, Kevin? <laughs> oh, they're great dad jokes. They're really, really good. <laughs> All right, we're down to our last two minutes. Um, I wanted to know what the two of you and what you in particular have planned in 2020. What's 2020 look like for you two and your wonderful partner, of course? Uh, A few overseas, hopefully, a few overseas trips, um, but mainly mainly picking up the the speaking and the advocacy. Yes roles yes. for equality because it's important for it my is. daughter. She's she's so proud yeah. about the ballet because she's dad, you changed the rule or we changed yes. the rules so yes. that other dads can can do this and that's why I said or Bub, you know, just you do what you want. So yeah. uh, but I'd say I'll I'll be getting uh, married if if uh, my wonderful partner agrees and the, the terms Solo dad will have to go to uh, go to the rubbish bin, I think. That's all right. I think that you have, even with a partner, you still have um, many years of experience from which to um, talk about the subject, and I don't see that there will be any problem at all, Michael. So we are out of time, unfortunately. What a blessing it's been to have you on Radio Tony today and this wonderful chat. Um, For our listeners, uh, our next guests will be coming up shortly, but for now, that's it for Michael and I. So thank you so much, Michael. Thank you, Tony. I really enjoyed the opportunity. It's wonderful to have you on. And so over to you, Rebel, and we'll see you all in the next part of the show. Bye now. Radio Tony, bringing social consciousness this time every Thursday evening, live from the Gold Coast, Australia, on W4WN. Resilience, memoir of a broken little girl discovering a woman of strength and beauty is the new book from Australian author Tony Lontis. Available in paper, ebook, and audiobook formats, Resilience is the true life story of Tony experiencing and surviving trauma, abuse, mental health issues, and the ultimate betrayal of someone she fell in love with. Exposing moral issues you may have dealt with too. Read how hope and happiness triumph in her life. Available at Amazon.com and all good online retailers. Radio Tony with Tony Lontis, author of Resilience, memoir of a broken little girl discovering a woman of strength and beauty. Available now on Amazon.com and in all good bookstores. Keep the conversation going. Directory assistance. Call Radio Tony. Hello. 561-623-9421 on W4WN Radio Guest Skype. 
Resilience, memoir of a broken little girl, discovering a woman of strength and beauty is the new book from Australian author Tony Lontis. Available in paper, ebook and audio formats, Resilience is a true life story of Tony experiencing and surviving trauma, abuse, mental health issues and the ultimate betrayal of someone she fell in love with. Available for download now through all good online retailers and in all good bookstores. Keeping the conversation going on the suppressed social and moral issues. This is Radio Tony on W4WN. I'm going on during this time I feel there's no one to save me This all and nothing really got away You're driving me crazy I need somebody to hear Somebody to know Somebody to have Somebody to hold It's easy to say But it's never the same I guess I kinda like the way you know all the pain Now the day bleeds Into nightfall And you're not here To get me through it all I let my gut down And then you pull the rug I was getting kinda used to being someone you loved I'm going under this time I feel there's no one to turn to This all and nothing we of loving Go be sleeping without you now I need somebody to know Somebody to hear Somebody to have Just to know how it feels It's easy to say But it's never the same I guess I kinda like the way you help me escape Now the day bleeds Into nightfall And you're not here To get me through it all I let my gun down And then you pull the rug I was getting kinda used to being so Tonight fall You're not here To get me through it all I let my guard down And then you pulled the rug I was getting kinda used to being So what you love But now the day bleeds Into nightfall You're not here To get me through it all I let my guard down And then you pulled the rug I was getting kinda to be it's so what you love to let my guard down and then you pull the rug I was getting kinda used to be it's so what you love Radio Tony difficult conversations and bringing hope to listeners live from the Gold Coast Australia on W4 WN
Good morning, everyone. You're listening to Tony Lontis live on Radio Tony this morning. And this is a pre-record show because you guys are on a holiday shortly. And this show will be played over Christmas as well. So live this morning, I have the wonderful Moana Robinson. And shortly, we'll be introducing Moana to talk about all the things that she's up to. And I have the wonderful pleasure of having Tracy Horton live in my studio with me. So first up, Moana has a mission to empower others to glow from the inside out. As a coach for life and style, she uses her skills to take others on a journey to discover their perfect palette, style, wardrobe. And it doesn't stop there. Being the best you can be includes all that goes on inside the mind and the heart as well as what's on the outside. Combining her experience as a personal stylist, life coach and mentor, Moana has the ability to help people shine, to find the magic combination of colour, body shape, lifestyle and personality. The magic is in the unleashing, the untapped confidence we keep hidden for fear of standing out. With a huge amount of life experience, Moana has a passion for helping others. Using many skills and modalities, Moana coaches, mentors, supports and encourages others to find their true passions and purpose for life. There is so much more than the outside image. It is a person as a whole that you can benefit, who can benefit from guidance in life and style to shine and be their absolute best in every possible way. Good morning, Moana. Good morning, Tony. How are you this morning? I'm wonderful, thank you. And I'm glad to have you here live on the show. It's always a little scary connecting all our technology together to make a show work, and I appreciate you being here this morning. So, Moana, um, I met you earlier this year in a wonderful little workshop, and I remember thinking, what a beautiful woman you were. And I was so impressed that I booked a styling session with you, and I had the pleasure of working with you and working out my colours and style and what looked good. So I thought we'd begin today by just telling our listeners a little bit more about you. You're a stylist, a life coach, and you do hypnotherapy. And most excitingly, you'll soon be a published author. What an incredible combination of skills. Where did it all begin for you? Wow. Well, I think it really actually began when I was about 10 years old. From that really? Age, yes. And I've written that in my book, that from that age, I used to think to myself, I wonder what it would be like if I wrote down everything that happened every day for the rest of my life. Oh, wow. And, yeah, it's funny how you remember things from when you're a child. And, and one of my other favorite uh, sayings is today is the first day of the rest of your life. I remember yes. seeing that on a wall in the post office when I was a child. So I've always had an interest in clothing and fashion and things like that. Um, it's just been an interest that I never actually got into because as we grow up, we sort of get married, have children, uh, go and get trained in something and I happened to be trained as a legal secretary and that's what I stayed doing for years and years. I enjoyed right. doing that and I'm yeah, I'm grateful for that experience because it's paid off for 
starting up our hydraulics business. Yes. And also with the other family business that we have now. Um, but now, now that I'm older, I have a chance to work in something that I have, have a passion for, which is style and fashion and helping women in particular look and feel their absolute best. Um, yeah, I've had quite a journey in life and the decision to become a stylist came quite a few years ago yeah. and I've really been styling hundreds of women for years and years without being paid for it. Just oh, helping really? friends, Yeah, helping friends and relatives. Um, I've, I've been standing outside changing rooms before helping yes. a friend yes. and had other women come out and ask me their opinion about what the clothes that they were wearing and things like that and I've just always enjoyed it. So I love... I love nothing more than to put a client into a fitting room and go and select some outfits for her yeah. and just get her to think outside the square when it comes to colour and style. And yeah. I love a person to look and feel like themselves, not like someone else. Yeah. So yeah. what was the switch that prompted you to do it and be paid for it? Hmm, good question. I was working <laughs> for an international skincare company yeah. and I had reached almost to the top level in that company and I found that my heart wasn't in, in going for the incentive trips and things like that yeah, yeah. and I just decided to, to really look at what I was passionate about and yeah. I thought this is something I'm good at. I love shopping and I thought <laughs> this way I can help other people shop. And uh -huh. um, yeah, because I was always always naturally helping other people choose yeah. clothes and talk to friends about things like that, and I just thought, yeah. why not? I'm at an age now where I should be able to work at something that I really yes. enjoy doing and that you're passionate yeah. about. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and the coaching part of it came more recently, and yes. that's something that I'm really excited about because it's it's uncovering what's inside and so that's a more recent um life change for you and something that you'll be going into more in uh 2020 yes definitely 2020 i'm going to be merging the two together and uh -huh. really niching niching down and compacting down what yes. it is that i do so it's yeah. going to be more about uncovering um, a woman's personality. So women round about my age or younger sometimes, you know, in their 40s, round about through to their 60s, sometimes they lose themselves and they don't yes. even understand their own personality. They don't know what yes. they like, what they don't like anymore. And I help to, I want to help uncover that and yeah. amalgamate the styling and the coaching so that I can really niche down and yeah. help women just, basically help them to get to know themselves yeah yeah again now yeah. before we i've got some more questions for you but i just wanted to touch on your hypnotherapy work mm -hmm. and how you got into that and how you help people using hypnotherapy okay when i was doing my online styling course the guy that was helping me do the course um said to me have you ever thought about doing a small life coaching course because you 
tend to do the coaching as you're styling. Yeah. So I went ahead and did the life coaching course, but I did a whole advanced diploma because I really loved the work. And I also went on and to do my master's in hypnotherapy because I loved that side of it. I could see the power in talking to the subconscious mind. Very powerful talking to the subconscious mind. It is. So I've helped. I've helped men and women with my hypnotherapy, and yeah. it has been. I've helped someone with uh, PTSD, a returned serviceman, someone who, a guy who ran a, a business, um, who had, had something similar, and just all sorts of, you know, uh, women with sort of eating issues, women yes. with body issues, all sorts of all sorts of different things. It's, I think um, use it in conjunction with the coaching. Yes. Okay. So those people that are suffering um, from PTSD, they're the ones that don't often, you'll often find that they haven't sought help before. They've tried to do all sorts of other things rather than getting help. And you found the hypnotherapy helped a great deal for the PTSD uh, client? Yes, it is. The particular one that I'm thinking of, he was getting some extra help as well because he was a returned serviceman and he was getting some other help from the government. Um, His his main issue was actually weight as well. So uh, that's what I was focusing on because I didn't want to interrupt what he was dealing with with the psychologist. And as a hypnotherapist, I'm not a psychologist or a psychiatrist, but I help with positive affirmations, just positive ways to think, and the subconscious yeah. mind is actually so powerful. And, and the two can work. The the two therapies work well together, don't they, Moana? Yes, yes, definitely. Um, I've had a couple of referrals from medical doctors for actual physical conditions. Fantastic. Uh, a women have been to me, but I always insist on a doctor's referral for that. Yes. Yeah, um, because sometimes, <clears throat> sometimes if it's a medical condition, then hypnotherapy yeah. can actually help with any pain or discomfort, yeah. and yeah. that's that's not good if it's something yeah. that should be addressed. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. So the other exciting thing for you on the horizon is the upcoming release of your book. So you're a soon-to-be-published author. And I wonder if you can tell our listeners, um, before we talk about your book, I just want to clarify the difference between a fashion stylist and what you do, Moana. Okay, this is great because I was talking to a friend about this yesterday. Yeah. A fashion stylist is someone who will take someone around the shops and basically dress them up, just choose some outfits, dress them up, um, go with what's in fashion at the moment, the latest season, um, what's in for summer, what's in for yeah. winter, uh, yeah. and the latest colours and things like that. I'm more about the personal colours yes. that are going to suit the person and really, really draw attention to their eyes and their face, uh, the colours that will go with their skin tone, their hair at the time, because our hair colour changes, our skin changes as we age. Yes. Our eye colour sometimes gets a bit lighter, but it doesn't usually change. Okay. And colour colours can vary as we get older, but it's it's more personal. I guess that's the best way to describe it. It's more about, yeah. about the person, not about what's in fashion at the moment. Yeah. So was there something that made you decide that you wanted to write a book? Um, 
Well, I think I think that that memory of me being ten years old and thinking yes. I'd like to. I think back then I had thought I'd like to write a book. Yes. Um, at ten years well, old. Yeah, at ten years old. Yep. At ten years old, and I never really did anything with it. My mum is in her 90s and she yeah. she's always written her memoirs and she's always spoken about writing a book and I just uh-huh. thought I don't I don't want to get to that age and and not have done it have have done it yeah and I'm really really so excited that I've actually started something and finished something the idea Absolutely. came from taking what was on my online program which is still in yes. my online program on my website Yes. Taking some of that information and putting it into a book. And I thought yeah. when I went to the half day workshop, that's easy, I'll just put it into a book. I yes. didn't realise all the personal <laughs> stuff that would come out of writing yeah. a book. So that's why the first half of my book is about the inside and the second half is about the outside. So there's more coaching information in the first part and yes. the second part is about the style. So the outside is the style and the inside is the yeah. coaching. Yeah. So, listeners, can, can you tell our listeners the name of your book? My book is called Be Styled for Life, Living with Seth and Style Over 50. And can you tell the listeners when it's due out? It's due out. I'm so excited. My, my husband reminded it's me. It's so close. It's so close. But the exciting thing is number 10. And isn't that strange? I just realized 10 years yes. old. 10 years old, it's due out on the 10th of December. Oh, wow. That's And 10, some... 10 is my favourite number. If I get a table <sighs> at a coffee cafe and it's number 10, I get excited. Um, <laughs> my husband's race car is number it's 10. It's number 10? Yeah, oh, and it's, goodness. it's due to be released on the 10th of December. Oh, fantastic, Moana. Yeah. So mm. before we run out of time for our segment this morning, People can uh, buy your book in the pre-release phase and the the website for that is www.bestyledforlife.com.au forward slash pre-release dash book forward slash. And I'll be um, popping that onto Radio Tony's Facebook page because this is a pre-record. Um, and I'll also be posting a lot about Moana's book in the lead-up to the release of her book. So, Moana, um, have you got anything special planned around the book? So you're going to have well, a launch, do you think? Yes, and funnily enough, I'm going to have a launch on the 10th of January. Oh, well done. What <laughs> great timing. But- yeah, I know a few people may be away, but um, that's the yeah. only date I could kind of squeeze it in. Yes. I've already got a lot of things planned for next year. So I'm very excited. I may be having um, a celebrity there and <gasps> my daughters will be there and it will be also the launch of my new premises where I'll be doing my coaching and my styling from. Which is really exciting. We had a little conversation, listeners, yesterday afternoon about Moana's new um, spot and she will have a styling room and a, a consulting room, won't you? Yes. Yep. And, Which a, is and in- also a training room. 
and a training room as well. So all of that is uh, shaping up to be an amazing 2020 for you, Moana. I'm very excited and I have to say that it's been such a pleasure getting to know you, having met you from that first tiny little workshop and then getting to work with you. Um, I know that um, for our listeners, part of the process of working with Moana um, you're provided with a lovely little colour swatch and that little colour swatch sits in my handbag and goes with me everywhere so that when I pick something or I like something, a dress or shoes or whatever, I grab my little colour swatch and match it and see that it's my colour and it's been a wonderful thing to do. So for the listeners, um, bestyledforlife.com.au, that's B-S-T-Y-L-E-D-F-O. R-L-I-F-E.com.au is Moana's website and you can jump on there. You can find her book. You can find her courses. You can uh, find out about her hypnotherapy and you can contact Moana directly and um, she has a wealth of experience and knowledge to help you and a wonderful combination of that stylist and life coach that helps you look wonderful inside and out. So, Moana, I'm really excited for your 2020. Thank you so much for being on Radio Tony today. Um, you've been wonderful, and I can't wait for the listeners to jump on and uh, jump onto your website and have a look. So, Moana, anything that you'd like to say just before we go? Just always remember to look, feel, and be your best. There you go, listeners. Look, yeah. feel, and be your best. Thank you, Moana Robinson. Um, Over to you, Rebel. We're going to go for a short break before I come back with the amazing Tracy Horton live in my studio. Thank you, Moana. Thanks, Tony. Bye. Bye. Radio Tony, bringing social consciousness this Thursday evening, live from the Gold Coast, Australia, on W4WN. Resilience, memoir of a broken little girl discovering a woman of strength and beauty is the new book from Australian author Tony Londis. Available in paper, ebook, and audiobook formats, Resilience is the true life story of Tony experiencing and surviving trauma, abuse, mental health issues, and the ultimate betrayal of someone she fell in love with. Exposing moral issues you may have dealt with too. Read how hope and happiness triumph in her life. Available at Amazon.com and all good online retailers. Radio Tony with Tony Lontis, author of Resilience, memoir of a broken little girl discovering a woman of strength and beauty. Available now on Amazon.com and in all good bookstores. Welcome back to Radio Tony. I'm live in the studio today from the Gold Coast and I have the amazing Tracy Horton with me. So a little bit about Tracy. Tracy Horton is an international award-winning speaker, author and qualified life coach. She's worked alongside men and women for 25 years, helping to rebuild lives and allow people to become the best versions of themselves. She's spent years helping people create their own authentic journeys. Tracy knows her community and the needs of her people. Knowing what real brokenness is, she's managed to build her life from an alcoholic, abused, poverty-stricken child to where she is today, a passionate, warm, caring and amazing woman. Her experiences have given her insight and wisdom that we are 
today that's today being used to help people create the life that they could only dream of. Through her books, seminars, retreats, and life coaching, Tracy has a way of equipping people to practically reach their goal, to live their life to their fullest potential. Tracy has a wonderful, strong marriage of 30 years to Paul and has four beautiful daughters, nine grandchildren, and has called the Gold Coast home since 1995. There are not many people in the world that are that after just moments in their presence, you feel changed. Tracy is a gift and you will find your way through who will help you find the way through the wreckage of your life and to lead the life you deserve one that you never thought was possible. I'm delighted today to have Tracy here in my office and I'm really appreciative appreciative of the fact that she's here with me today. Good morning, Tracy. Good morning, Tony. I'm so excited to have you in my office, be it humble as it is. <laughs> it's great to be here. Um, we live actually quite close together on the Gold Coast listeners. So um, Tracy's just a little bit down the road from me. Um, and it was wonderful that she could actually come and physically be here with me. It brings a certain dynamic to the interview that makes it special. And Tracy's a really special new friend of mine. So Tracy, I'd like to begin at the, at the beginning. Um, your life was quite traumatic. So I'd like you to tell the listeners about your life before adulthood and, and what you had to deal with. Okay, so I was born in New Zealand in the early 60s. Yes. And unbeknown to me, I was born into a home of DV and sexual abuse. Yeah. So by the time I was 12, yeah. I'd been sexually abused by 12 different men. And when I went to school, I that was the first time I realised we were really different because things yes. occurred at school that I'd never known about. Yeah. Um, in New Zealand, the first day of school, they sing happy birthday to you, and I never knew I had a birthday. Oh, my God. Yeah, so, on the f my f so you start on your fifth birthday. I went to school. They sang happy birthday, and I didn't know what a birthday was. Oh, Tracy. So I often say to people in my home, the only place we could find normal was on the washing machine. We were so extremely different. Dad's a schizophrenic with five yes. different personalities. And my mum, who is a champion, was just really yes. broken. Because, yes. you know, you know what it's like. Most people get up to a breaking point, And dad found that really early in mum. So she was really broken. And oh. our home was really, really dysfunctional. So it was yeah. a really tough start. Yeah, agreed. So you started to realise that you were different. Um, did you speak out or seek help early in your life or you just learnt to put on a brave face? I didn't speak out at all because nobody wanted to talk about it. Yep. Um, back in the 60s, 70s and 80s, nobody was talking about it. No. Even now, when I work with younger women that need to come out or need to divulge stuff, there's still a real stigma to it. And I agree. I, and I long for the day that there isn't because I it's agree. a world ep epidemic. It, it is. really is. Um, the new statistics out is that 49,000 women died last year at the hands of their husbands worldwide in a domestic violence situation. So this it's really is, time to take the stigma away. That's 50,000 women yeah. at, died at the hands of their significant other. That's not good enough. That's no 50,000 women who had the potential to do something in life and that potential was ripped from them. Yeah, for sure. Um, I agree with Tracy. It, it, 
incredibly uh, stigmatised still throughout the community and it's something that we very much have to change. Um, we need women to feel uh, safe enough to be able to tell someone what's happening and we need them to be able to access support to help them get through that healing process because it doesn't you're not healed or changed by divulging what's happening in your life are you Tracy no you're not and I learned that when um, at 18 I was at work and yes. I was putting some alcohol into my um, coffee very early in the morning and my boss yes. caught me asked me what I was doing and I said I was having breakfast <laughs> And he didn't find it so as nearly as funny as me. <laughs> your breakfast was coffee with alcohol at yes, that stage. Yes, it was. Okay. I was 18. But, you know, in all fairness, you can't end up much better than you're brought up, right? And that's, that's right. why you have to own yourself as an adult and make changes. Yeah. And so he sent me to a psychologist. We were a very, very large company and we had a psychologist on site. Yeah. And I told the psychologist my story. And first time ever in my life, 18 years of yes. age, early 80s. And I'll never forget, he put his book down that he'd been writing in, yeah. and he said to me, you can't heal. He said oh, no. to me, you will need to be medicated all your life, and I expect <sighs> you won't function in community after oh. 30. And I was I was shocked, Tony. I was really shocked. Because <laughs> you thought you were just a little bit different. You I, didn't I, understand the concept that what had happened to you had caused trauma and brokenness in you so much that you were medicating with alcohol at 18. I was kind of actually a little conscious of what I was doing, and I yeah. think most people are. Yeah. You know, we the world is set up in such a way with paradigms. We understand what normal should look like. Yes, we I, do. I don't know that I agree with that, actually, but yeah. we know what it should look like. Yeah. So when it's way out of those parameters, I think we always do know. Yes. I, I knew I wasn't normal. I knew I wasn't capable of a strong relationship. There yeah. was things I knew, but I actually didn't know how far I'd got and yeah. today when people listen to this podcast they and radio they're going to go oh my goodness how did <laughs> yes. he say that but you know the woman in your office is not the woman that was in his office that's correct you know so he actually gave me a gift because yeah. it actually made me think and I decided to give myself five years and if I couldn't work out how to heal I was just going to end my life because I was not going to be a burden just having the the idea that you were going to give yourself five years, what an amazing gift that was. The first gift being um, someone who actually listened to you and said, okay, I need to help this girl. Like those people are special people. They yeah. change people's lives. They do. They most certainly do. So what happened over those five years? I actually went on a real quest to study people and work out what what healthy looked like, what yes. whole looked like, what yes. my interpretation of that looked like. Mm -hmm. And along the way, I did a couple of courses. There wasn't a lot around back then, not no. like there is now. Certainly yeah. life coach was a word nobody had ever heard of. Yes. Um, and I had a couple of friends who were in very healthy homes and I, yeah. I would stay with them. I'd and talk to their parents. I, I interviewed grandparents. It was almost like I went through an interview process, but I learned some yes. real keys. Yes. And as I began to apply them, I began to heal my life. Awesome. Yeah. So you started on that quest um, to heal your life and it it impacted you and, and you changed your life in that short period of time. In five years I did, yeah. 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 I was married actually at the end of that five years to my now husband. Yes, who you are still married to and who is still wonderful. Yes. And four daughters and nine grandchildren yes. later – it's an amazing life because you took that step towards healing back then. For sure, absolutely. Yeah. And I think one of the greatest keys was learning 
that it was on me yes. to heal me yes. and to and to love me. Yes. Because I think when people go through trauma, they go looking for someone to re- replicate that, and that's too much pressure for any other human. So Paul's, Paul's never had to be the source of my identity, just yes. a resource yes. to help the me feel great about to help myself. You. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I want to talk about that. Uh, concept of learning to love yourself because I know from personal experience that's a really hard difficult road um, what was st- some of the steps that you took to um, learn about self-love and self-compassion you know Tony one of the biggest advice I could give anybody is yeah. actually learn your personality because yes. we come pre-packaged whether we, we do. like it or not mm-hmm we are not all these even keeled mixture of all four. We no. come pre-selected. We do. And when I understood that I was that type of person and not that type, when I understood that I was a person who would need attention, yes. that I was a person who would enjoy talking, yes. that I was a person who could achieve, when I understood all that stuff yeah. and I began to understand it hadn't been met and that was why it was out of out of whack I, for me or yes. out of character. Mm-hmm. So. One of the things I teach most often is helping people to understand the personality they arrived with. Yes. On top of that, nurture. The home you're in for the first seven years of your life affects it. So when you understand the combination of that, then you have actual true understanding of your identity. You can can go on from there and change anything you want. Absolutely, absolutely. I agree, Tracy. Finding Finding out about your things like your own personality, the way your brain functions, um, the way that you are set up to function in this world is important, so important, because once you understand yourself, it allows you to A, love yourself, B, be compassionate with yourself, because someone who is born with a patient personality, they're not going to struggle with patient, but someone who's born with an impatient personality, they're struggling or might find themselves struggling to be develop those patient skills for the rest of their life. For sure. And, you know, for me, Tony, on a personal level, I my father's, you know, mentally ill, so there's yes. no understanding his nature. He's got five yes. personalities. But but for my mum, my mum is very much a woman that you shut up, keep up and put away. Yes. And I'm very much step up and talk out. Yes. So having So there's a the conflict power, in yeah. just in the beginning of your for life. Sure. And then understanding that I wasn't hurting mum, I was being true to myself to talk yes. about my journey when I yes. did and to come out and say, you know, mum, I'm going to take this global because there's other women like me. Yes. Um, that was a whole different bend, you know, because otherwise women don't do it because they're I listening know. to their mum thinking, oh, I, I can't upset mum. I was just going to say that. I wasn't upsetting mum, I was empowering me and there's yeah. a big difference. And when yeah. you understand I- it, it's a better life. The same and similar I've experienced as well when I've, gone to tell my story and received incredible family backlash from doing that but if I don't do that I am not being true to myself and it's not about hurting anyone it's not about um, trying to show up um, parenting skills or mothering skills it's just about being yourself and if you stop being yourself you don't show up in the world in the way that you were meant to show up and it's incredibly important because absolutely there's people out there that need to hear tracy's message message there's people out there that need to hear tony's message and we're the only ones that can deliver it in the way that 
then they need to hear it. For and sure. that's important. Yeah. Um, so you have a whole uh, business around speaking and helping people. You do courses, you run seminars. Um, I'm really wanting to delve into your speaking career and I'd like to know where that's taken you and some of the different places and subjects you've spoken on across the world. Um, so I've spoken in around 16 countries. Yes. Um, probably one of the most impacting ones for me was yes. when I spoke in India. Um, wow. And they asked me to speak on yes. how to reduce domestic violence to zero globally. Oh, wow. And it was not lost on me that I was presenting yes. in a country where it is not illegal to harm a woman. Yeah. They can't be charged for it. Yeah. Um, and there was people there from Ghana. There was people from other countries that held, held similar laws. Yes. So it really challenged me because as an Australian woman, I yes. can speak quite empowered about that. Absolutely. we have laws that back it. Yes. But when you're looking out to a sea of women, you know, I was who looking have, out at Indian women mm -hmm. who to this day are betrothed at 12. Yes. Married at 14 and yes. against their will. Yes. They have sex at 14. Yeah to a man sometimes 20 years older, older than me. and I was just filled with compassion and responsibility that I delivered it kindly yes yes so yes. the bent that this talk that I gave was mm -hmm. that if each one of us lived our truth yes and held our truth for another woman yes we could change it in five years fantastic Thank so you. when you're speaking to a predominantly Indian crowd do you do so via a translator or do you just speak as you're meant to speak um indians are brilliant with english yes so i don't need a translator so had one in the ukraine and yes. russia had, yes, had yes. translators there yeah um i found i find the the deep european countries are normally yes. less english Yes. counted mm -hmm. but most of like you know obviously in america i don't need one i've no. spoken in several states <laughs> yeah yeah um even in portugal yes um I, I spoke there in may everybody in the room that was from portugal had english knowledge but yes. i would have needed an interpreter otherwise because yeah. portugal aren't huge english speaking yeah. either yeah so as a result of your speaking in india um what happened Actually, I was I was inundated with women yes. who were grateful and yes. thankful, and it was really humbling. You know, you you get on shows like this, and people are listening and thinking, "Oh my goodness, the woman's travelled the world and changed the world." But I am truly humbled by how yes. they change me. Yes, you know, uh, yes. You know, of course, it's fantastic to get the opportunity to speak, and I I love it and I appreciate it. Yeah. But you know, when I get off that stage, I had a woman who was maybe fifty five. She looked yes. seventy. She came up and told me she was betrothed at eleven, oh. married at twelve. And that she has not had an ounce of consensual behaviour since. It's all been against her will. And when she thanked me and put her arms around me, she changed my life. Yeah. You, you know, Tony, that she could extend herself yeah. to that point. Yeah. And couldn't, and she offered her my book and she was so grateful. She cried yes. in my arms. And I thought, these, they changed me. Like, yeah. Yeah. When I spoke in the Ukraine and. I spoke my story through an interpreter who yeah. I'm always careful with because the interpreter's hearing it for the first time, so they always catch. Yes. And 
there, whenever women gather, there has to be men present in the Ukraine yes. so that they don't air. Anyway, it's a whole nother show. Wow. <laughs> and wow. one of the head men of that region yes. came on stage after I spoke and through yes. the interpreter apologised on behalf of my father. I dissolved, Tony. I dissolved. Oh, I would have, Tracy. by that stage, I'd spoken in eight countries, including Australia and New yeah. Zealand, many yeah. times, and nobody yeah. had said anything like that. And he came on and apologised on behalf of my father and changed my life. And that's what I mean is that <sighs> most of the time, with the subject I talk on, it it connects heart to heart and most yes. of the time it's it's a privilege. It changes my life as much yes. as anyone else's. Yes. yes. And and your speaking just encourages those women because in some cases there's not a lot that they can actually do except start having conversations around what's right and what's wrong and and start a grassroots um uh, effort to change their laws and their understanding. Um do you think that things are changing in some of the places that you've spoken or are we still needing to keep putting that message out there for them? I believe it is changing slowly. Yes. I think, you know, with 49,000 women being yes. killed in their own homes yes. by their partners, Yes. the message has to quadruple, quite yes. frankly. I, think, I, you I know, have to agree with um, you. I'm only looking at speaking more and doing more next yes. year, obviously, because it's 49,000 too many for me to live with. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, it is. And in Australia where we are so empowered and, yes, and there's it's opportunities. Still happening. It's still There's happening. opportunities for them to run. There's yes. opportunities for them to hide. Yes. We're still losing over yes. three a week. We are. Heartbreaking. It, it is incredibly heartbreaking because we live in a privileged country. We do. Yet this still happens, which means that those women that it's happening to the message is not getting to them. The help is not getting to them. Um, and we need to understand the psychology behind these crimes, what keeps women in those situations. And it, and often it's about mind control, isn't it? Yeah. And fear. And they're driven by a fear that keeps them in a space where they're still getting hurt every day. For sure. I say that the trauma associated with DV has lies attached to it. And one Absolutely. of the biggest lies is you don't matter and you can't go. Yes. And in my mum's stage, yeah. that was probably fairly true because mum yeah. couldn't earn a living. Yeah. We, you know, we couldn't have gone anywhere. Nobody could feed us. They didn't have shelters yes. or anything back then. Mm -hmm. But we still found a way because yeah. it got so violent the police stepped in. But really... The lies are what hold people back. And Definitely. my biggest key is if anyone is listening to this and they're in that situation, talk to someone. Yes. Tell somebody. Please. Let someone know yeah. because you will be surprised how many people will help. Yes. And because obviously if you are a male or a female harming another male or female to this extent, yes. you have triggered the narcissistic tendencies. Yes. Therefore, you cannot be placated, you cannot be reckoned with, and the best thing that the victim can, can do, do is talk to somebody else yeah. and look for help. Yeah. And even if that's just making a phone call to any number of help hotlines across the world, yeah. at least it's a start in stepping towards 
getting out of that situation. Sure. Yeah, there's helplines um, across the world, especially in the Western cultures. Most yes. times churches have a, yes. a not-for-profit care arm now. They could go there. And um, all you have to do is type into Google domestic violence help. Yes. You will get websites, phone numbers and help that you can easily access and if you're in that situation, then you can do that when you're out shopping. You can do that in the car when you drop the kids off at school. But as Tracy says, it's just so important that you tell someone, that someone knows what you're suffering. For sure. Absolutely. And if you are never away from them, slip somebody a note. Just, Absolutely. Just get somebody informed because... Just take a deep breath. Yeah. Understand that you're going to be terrified. Yeah. Understand that it's a incredibly scary place to be. Yeah. Understand that that it will be fearful for you to do something, but nothing changes unless you take that first step. For sure. And I think the other the other lie which I struggled with for years yes. is that you did something to get to deserve it. Correct. And that you're not good enough. You know, somehow, you know, everybody else's dads weren't harming them. Everybody else's dads weren't beating so them. So what's wrong, what was with, wrong me? with me? And I think that that's probably a really big anchor for most people because yeah. they think, well, I'm only going to burden mum if I go home. I'm only going to burden yes. Tony and Tracy if I ask for help. Yes. But the reality is that that's a real lie. It's it just a lie. lie. It is a lie. Because... Everyone yeah. is worthy yes. of a fulfilling, wonderful, safe life. That's a fundamental right of you being a human being is to have a safe life. For sure. So if you are feeling unsafe, it's your right to feel safe. And all you need to do is reach out and tell someone. Yep. In my course where I work particularly with victims of trauma, yes. one of the weeks we look at never giving permission. What yeah. we've given permission to that we now need to stop giving permission yeah. for because people don't deserve that right to your life. They don't. And when I understood that, then mm -hmm. I could actually really deal with my dad in a different way. Yeah, yeah. Um, and if you're, again, if you're listening to this program, it's very important that you seek that help. Yes. Um, so, Tracy, one of your big drives is obviously domestic violence. What are your other big passions in life? Um, you know, I'm a big believer that life is a gift. Absolutely. That every day, even if you believe in reincarnation and you're coming back a hundred times, you're never going to actually live today again. You know, that's right? right. And so I'm a big believer in living a life, creating a life and then living a life that you love. Yes. You know, a couple of years ago, my husband got diagnosed with prostate cancer and he was told mm. it was stage three. And one of the things that happens with prostate cancer is you can't yes. sleep. Yes. And I'll never forget, Tony, we got up many mornings because he's yeah. a surfer to go and wait for the sun to rise so he could surf but one yeah. morning I went with him and we're sitting at the beach and the prognosis wasn't great at that stage yeah. because we're just about to begin the treatments and he said to me if anything goes pear-shaped trace at least we have no regrets yes and I thought that's what I want everybody yes. to have yes you know I have a great life yes and I think everybody deserves that and oh, if your definitely. life is not 
the picture of what you want there's you actually some very it. easy things you can do to change it Correct. and most of the time people just don't know that yes so i work with a lot of clients around changing some beliefs and mindsets yes i have a program that runs for 90 days first 21 days we change the mindset yes and then we create the lifestyle that they want yeah and it's not that difficult yeah believe it or not and it's not hard to start a course that you can do online and connect with Tracy. So Tracy's yeah. website is uh, tracyhorton.com. So that's T-R-A-C-E-Y-H-O-R-T-O-N.com. And Tracy has lots of information, including her wonderful book, which has I've got it uh, tagged to talk about this morning, but we are fastly running out of time. <laughs> We've been talking about such other important um, uh things this morning but if you go onto Tracy's website you'll be able to see all the wonderful resources she has available including her workshops her courses where she's speaking and her book which in itself is a power-packed little uh, book of discovery and learning so if you just get Tracy's book you will be so glad you did um, it just you. this morning I thought oh I need to delve back into this and 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 uh, and learn a bit more and talk a bit about more about some of the elements that Tracy has in her wonderful book um, Tracy I in our last three minutes I just want to quickly delve into some of your plans for 2020. Okay, so in 2020, I plan on obviously doing more work with yes. BV because that's my passion project. Yes. I'll do it every day of my life until we've got zero. Yes. But also, um, I'm looking at doing quite a lot of speaking. I've got a couple of chains of hotels that are interested in bringing me in to do some management work. Um, I'm definitely putting out a couple more books. Oh, fantastic. Yes, but I'm actually... I'm actually looking at really probably staying in my hometown because I do love Australia. Yes. And I'm looking at really finessing and working quite solidly with this lifestyle program, helping yes. people to get to that. Because I think yes. it's 2020. Like Lifestyles. all of a sudden it's 2020. Yes. So I think, you know, there's it's time for people to actually get up and say, you know what, I want to be able to work four days. I want to be able to do yes. this. I want to buy that. I want to, you know, yes. and do it. So I'm really finessing that. And I'm going to make that much more available to yes. a lot more people. Oh, that's exciting. Mm, I, I'm really excited about 2020. I'm excited that it's the end of a decade because it's been rather crappy yeah. from my perspective. So I'm really glad that we're finishing off um, the decade. I'm excited that it's a new decade. I'm excited that it's 2020. And I also feel that there is a wonderful uprising of strong feminine energy that is set to change the world as we know it. Yep. I fundamentally believe that there are so many women stepping into their life path, stepping into the flow of their life, and I'll expand on some of these uh, topics um, at another, an another time, but I really believe that quiet feminine strength will change the world, change the way people think, and I think watch out in the next decade for the women that are stepping into their power right now. Absolutely, because like everything, when it's sidelined, it blows out the other way. So yes. what we've seen is women step into masculine power. Yes. But there is certainly an emergence now where women are understanding women actually have power. We have power. And when we're in this true divine feminine, it's a very yes. healing, empowering 
you know, life a beautiful source. place. So to we're be. definitely going to see a lot of that in 2020. And it complements the very masculine power that sits across the world yeah. at this time That's and right. date. Um, so, Tracy, I. It's been an immense pleasure to have you on the show this morning. Thank you, um, wonderful to have you in person. It really does make for a beautiful show when I have a person sitting across from me. Via Skype is wonderful. No problems with that. But having someone physically in my presence yeah. and being able to talk to them um, on the radio is an amazing experience. As you all know, I love my show. I love Radio Tony. I love its impact. Um, and I love you listeners. Um, and I appreciate the fact that you tune in each week to listen to our show. So that's about it for today. Um, this is the first part of a pre-recorded show, which will be combined with the second part of the show and will air over the Christmas break because we'll all be on holidays and having a well-earned and needed rest and break. Um, but uh, look forward to keeping you uh, inspired, empowered, educated and helped in 2020 and I will have more fabulous guests and stay tuned because in 2020 uh, Radio Tony will be launching a second show on our new Radio 4 AUS platform that launches in January 2020 and I'll be telling you a bit more about that as we get closer to the time. So thank you so much Revel. Um, over to you to round out the show. Goodbye everyone. Bye. Resilience, memoir of a broken little girl, discovering a woman of strength and beauty is the new book from Australian author Tony Lontis. Available in paper, ebook and audio formats, Resilience is the true life story of Tony experiencing and surviving trauma, abuse, mental health issues and the ultimate betrayal of someone she fell in love with. Available for download now through all good online retailers and in all good bookstores. Radio Tony, your safe space for tough conversations. Exposing secrets and talking about trauma and recovery. Radio Tony, a platform for the unheard. Radio Tony, with Tony Lontis, author of Resilience, memoir of a broken little girl discovering a woman of strength and beauty. Radio 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 Tony. Available now on Amazon.com and in all good bookstores. Radio Tony. Back next Thursday from 7pm Eastern Standard Time, live from the Gold Coast, Australia. Mama.